0: Welcome back to the iFlow Radio podcast. I'm sitting here with Mike Godet and Neil Sudo. Did I pronounce your names correctly? You did. Yep. Yeah. This is David. Once again, as usual, I'm here, and we are at iFloat here in Westport, and we're going to do a podcast tonight. I wanted to give a shout-out to the mentalartsnetwork.com, which is a network that we are a part of, and Mental Arts offers really awesome classes on programming and metaprogramming, helping people to learn about communication, how to enhance their communication with people, and we offer a bunch of classes. We also offer classes on teaching people how to become trained float facilitators and how to to actually be there as a facilitator for people when they have questions about their experiences and helping people navigate their experiences. So you can check out mentalartsnetwork.com to learn more about that. Now we're going to get started. So to start off, I often ask people how you ended up at iFloat, Because before, we were just making all these jokes about cool ifloat t-shirts and stuff so <laughs> so you guys have gotten to the point where you're now making ifloat jokes whereas several months back like you you would not have been able to make such cool jokes about or laugh at ifloat t-shirts and things like that so how on ne- how on earth yeah how on earth did you did you get to that point how did you get here well, yeah it definitely feels a lot more comfortable now it definitely it's more of a normal thing than
1: i thought it ever would be but uh I just found out about it from Vice, from the Hamilton's Cornucopia, Pharmacopia rather. Um, I watched a couple of his videos, and then it led on the YouTube uh, suggested videos page, and then uh, I just kind of watched their three part series there, and it was really good. So.
0: What was it about it, or that, that got you to actually come here? Though what what's what was it that that it sparked in you?
1: Um,
0: I think it was just.
1: Uh, throughout the day, I would just kind of think of it, and uh, I was thinking about getting more into meditation, because I really didn't meditate at all before I started coming here, um, and then I would just, at one point, I just Googled it, and I found out that there was a place in Westport, only like 45 minutes away, so I said, why not, and just kind of started. Now, you came before Mike did, right? Mm-hmm. So you told yeah. Mike about it? Yeah, I found yeah, out <laughs> about it through him. Um, yeah. I was and very excited about it, and I had to I had to tell my friends, you know. All right. So, what was it that was exciting about it for you? It was just uh, it was a feeling that I've never had before, and uh, you know I, I'm kind of prone to uh, not so much mental stress, but I'm always tense. So it was nice to finally get a break, like my shoulders finally relaxed. You know, I could take a breath and just sigh and let it all out. And that was only really after the float that I noticed that it was just a really interesting feeling, something I can't really even explain. But
0: uh, it was definitely, I figured, to, to tell as many people as possible, you know. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it, it's great that you were able to, it's almost like you, your mental stress expresses itself through, like, physical strain. Mm-hmm. And what happens, like, when you float is you, you get to a point where you are not experiencing that mental and therefore physical, physical stress. That's one of the things mm-hmm. I talk to people a lot about here is that there's a, there's a complete connection between the mind and the body. <clears throat> and In many ways, the, the brain goes all the way up to the tips of the fingers and the toes because the nervous system does. And so if we're experiencing like mental stress, sometimes we're, we're actually tensing like different parts of the body. And when we go into flow, you know, there's like a lot of things going on. But one of the things is that the, the mind is actually slowing down and relaxing. And all of a sudden, other parts of the body relax as well. Which which is really great. So mm-hmm. to, to actually see that uh, probably was pretty cool for you because it may have been the first time in a while that that had taken place. Like that you were actually able okay. to like relax your body. Mm-hmm. And it was it's almost like
1: you're I don't want to say being hypnotized by yourself, but it's almost subliminal. Like I didn't think to myself in there, oh I'm going to relax now. It just sort of sort of happens, and it's I think it's part of the process of just you know, channeling into that part of your brain for that long, like for an hour, and just letting it do its thing, kind of, that was really nice for me.
0: That is a really good point. In fact, today I was talking to somebody about that because they were asking about meditation. There, there were two people here earlier today, and they're relatively new to coming here, and both of them were talking about, and they didn't know each other, but they were sitting in the back at the same time, and they were talking about how they don't like to meditate. It's very frustrating, and they said, this seems like it's like meditation. And I said, it is like meditation, but it's also different from meditation because in meditation, there is a particular practice of it. There's, there's a technique for slowing the mind and there's a little bit more structure and discipline to it. And that's really good. It's a wonderful thing. And I've practiced meditation at different points in my life and it's been amazing. Floating is a little bit different because as you know, when you go into float, there's no discipline, there's no structure. It's just like, well, there's just nothing to hold on to. And I tell people, it, and I think I often say this in my podcast, but it's like taking an elevator into the slower brainwave states in the mind. Mm-hmm. And we never know, like, when the door opens at negative 20 or negative 40 or negative 60 or whatever, what's what we're going to experience. Like, we, you're right. It, we, we don't, it is subliminal mm-hmm. because it's it's other than conscious. And what we're going to experience in there and what we're going to feel or, experience when we come out or in the shower is always unique i mean i've floated hundreds of times and every time i come out i'm slightly surprised (laughs) not in the dramatic sense but it's just like oh Uh, and i can't always explain what it is but so so now you translated that enthusiasm over to mike somehow somehow yeah well he told
2: me about it and i had been meditating for a little while and um it just sounded really cool, so I just tried it out and I was I was kinda nervous at first because I didn't know like oh you're in the dark for, you know, an hour, it could be scary, but it really wasn't scary at all once I got into it and you know, it was I was really amazed at how relaxed I felt and how cleansed my mind felt afterwards and I don't know. It was kinda like that first feeling, it was definitely the best one I've had so far and it's kinda always like a chase to get that again, you know, as cliche as that sounds, but so what was that first one like? Can you explain it? It, it was weird because I had, you know, I had a lot of stress in my life and I definitely have a bad habit of getting more worked up over certain things than I should. And it kind of helped me take a lot of those things and put them into perspective and realize, that, like, you know, it's not the end of the world. Everything can always be worse. And it's kind of, even if there were, like, problems in my life or certain things I was facing, it kind of, in a way, just made me make peace with it and realize that, like, everything is going to be okay. You know what I mean? There's there's always kind of light at the end of the tunnel, that type of
0: thing. So you came out with that, and and is that something that you've actually noticed happening, that, that, that there's been changes in your yeah. life since I then? Yeah, I mean, like, slowly,
2: but, you know, more and more it's starting to happen. You know, changes for me happen more gradually, but I definitely notice certain scenarios that I'll encounter as far as, like, like being impatient with something or just dealing with a certain stressful kind of scenario and how you can kind of just approach it in a different way and just tell yourself, you know, like, you can pretty much react to this. You can either just get frustrated or you can just deal with it and realize that it's going to be over soon. You know, you're going to get through it. It's not the end of the world. Like, you know, you can react to it any way you want, but you have to, you know, you're going to have to live with the way that you choose to react to certain things and, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: How, how you said that you, you've meditated before for you, how, how does the experience of floating differ from your experiences in meditation?
2: I think it's a lot like what you said with meditating. It's more trying to concentrate on something like breathing and cleansing the mind with floating. For me, it's more like putting into perspective what's happening in my life at that present time, certain things I'm happy about, certain things that I'm, you know, disappointed about and kind of. Just analyzing it and just figuring out ways of dealing with that and coming to terms with it and finding peace in that. You know, I think the first float I had, I kind of thought it was supposed to be like meditating. You're supposed to just not think about anything, and it was really hard. And then I got out, and you had told me that it's kind of not really. That's not really the point. So, uh, but you know, now when I do a float, it's more more along the lines of that. Kind of just evaluating everything in my life, and stuff like that.
0: Today I was writing about my float session and it amazed me especially when I reflected on it after as I was writing about it because I sometimes go into an active imagination state and I, I play these scenarios on night it's like having a conversation with myself or different facets of myself and I was sitting there and, and I, I had this scene in my mind and I was on this mountaintop and and I'm just kind of like reflecting and all of a sudden oh actually I started I started in this this wooded area, and then this this figure in my imagination that I like to chat with, which is, again, just a facet of myself, said, well, why don't you just let go and, and, and let the scene be what it has to be? And so all of a sudden we're, like, on this mountaintop, and I'm like, okay, this is cool. Now we can have our chat and reflect <laughs> or whatever. And then all of a sudden, as I was writing, I don't remember anything else that happened. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I remember, and increasingly what's been happening for me is... It's like I'm in this space between my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And and it reminds me of the scene in Interstellar. Did you guys see Interstellar? No, yeah, it was great. Yeah, you definitely see Interstellar. And there's this point where the where the Matthew McConaughey character is behind the library and, and he's like in between time and space, he's like in between it and he's able to like move. And lately some of my floats have felt that way where it's like It's like I can't really grasp onto anything and it's quite fascinating. And 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 I guess why am I sharing this? The reason I'm sharing this is because this idea of being able to not try to control everything, but instead be in the place where we're like influencing it. Because I was definitely like like riding almost like a wave during the float to some extent, like of my thoughts. But I wasn't charging it or trying to control everything yeah. the way we would like control a steering wheel it was more, almost more like trying to trying to shape it hmm. and what i find is that through through floating and, and doing work on myself that my interactions with people become more that way hmm. and i don't know if, if Just you guys letting it happen yeah have you noticed any aspects of that like in your own lives a little bit a little bit and that's actually a feeling that I'm trying to accomplish which is actually sometimes
1: counterproductive because you're trying too hard to not try you know um, so it's like I just I love the idea of like for me because I'll either be thinking too much or I'll go go on a float because I'm pretty new to floating still but like I'll either think about too too many things and I won't be able to really relax and I won't be able to focus that much. But then other times I'll kind of space out and who knows, like a half hour will go by. And like you said, like you didn't remember after you went to the mountaintop. Like it'll be like that. Like I just won't remember half the float. But it still feels like something changed. You know, it's kind of interesting that way.
0: Yeah, because a lot, I mean, I can I can see in my mind and remember like the sensations of what was going on. So it was like, I I have that in my mind, but I have no idea what was actually going on, but a lot was going on. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. There's always something (laughs) happening, but I mean, it's, I don't know. It's a tough thing to accomplish. It takes a lot of, I mean, I find it harder in meditation than it isn't to in the float because meditation, there's just so many more distractions because you're just at your house or whatever. Um, but in the flow it's like a full for me it's a full hour of just nothing possibly distracting me from what I'm trying to do or not trying to do one thing I noticed too after
2: floating is it changed the way I meditated because now whenever I meditate I have to do it in like the dark with the lights off and I have to wear earplugs and that I don't know for me that makes the, the meditation session a lot more effective in some way like there are times where I'll meditate for a while and then I'll if, if it's a really good one I'll almost come out feeling similar, like, after a float, in a way. Like, obviously, it's still different, but same kind of, you know, just the way your senses feel and stuff like that, and the relaxation of your body afterwards. But that that's true, too, that what you said about changing the way you interact with people and just letting it happen, because I never really thought about that, but that's definitely been happening with me as well, and the way I interact, like, with, you know, doing music lessons, interacting with the parents and stuff like that. And I notice now, like, I... I don't know, I don't really think as much about what I'm going to say, I kind of just let it come out, and I'm not, like, analyzing everything as much, I'm a very,
0: like, analytical person, especially when it comes to the way I interact with people and stuff like that. So when they ask you, like, you know, what do you think, my child, Carnegie Hall, and and you just say, like, psh, in your dreams, it just comes out like (laughs) that. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
2: (laughs) word for word like that, you know, no, uh, but it just, um, yeah, maybe a little bit more honest in certain ways, but also just finding that balance between being honest but being able to have like, you know, a good interaction with somebody that you're not completely, you know, familiar with, somebody you don't know that well, so you know, like just incorporating a little bit of humor just to kinda lighten the mood and stuff like that. And just being able to kinda adapt to that kind of communication with people without
0: putting too much thought into it. It's interesting that came up today too, because there was someone here who works at a hedge fund here in Westport called Bridgewater and it's a it's a famous place because they have like these interesting philosophies about how to interact with one another and they're very like upfront and direct with one another and I a lot of different people from there float or have floated and one of the people who was sitting in back said oh isn't that kind of a tough place because people just kind of say like whatever's on their mind to people and there isn't a whole lot of filtering and the, the, the woman who is here said that <clears throat> there is a, a philosophy there of what's called substance over style. Mm-hmm. Meaning that it's more important to get the meat of what you're saying across to the person instead of focusing on like, how to say it to the person. And I could see the point of it, but what I explain to them and what we teach about, like in the classes we teach here, and even I do that just in general with people here. Is to step outside of dichotomous thinking because it's not so much that it's style versus substance, like you have to choose one over the other, and, and and maybe they don't even approach it that way, but that seemed to be what she was saying. As much as that, what matters is that the communication actually happens. And so, if someone is just like dumping their frustration on someone and just being like, well, like, here's my substance, like, this is really awful, and da 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 da, and they may unknowingly be just transmitting an enormous amount of frustration at the person and that's what they're actually going to hear. They're not really going to hear the substance of what the person's trying to transmit. They're just going to get the frustration. And what's important in terms of trying to get something across to people, such as like, like in a music lesson, where having studied music myself, I understand that it can be very frustrating because somebody can get to a point where they maybe think they should be Further along than they are, or they're just trying to get that right, like fingering of the instrument, and they're not, and things come up for them. And for some kids that you teach, you know, you might have to be really like kind of funny to lighten them up. Right. Other kids might need like maybe more like firmness and being like you know like stop screwing around like like this is what we have to do. But it's like it, it, there isn't a a a either or. There's like a spectrum because what matters is like how can i get this message to this kid or in terms of the hedge fund it's like how can i get this message to my coworker and do i use humor do i use this because yeah there's a substance of what it is we're trying to get across to people but we do actually have to think about how can we get it through to them and and sometimes it requires like that kind of intensity and and that, and, and being like like look kind of thing of of, of like actually getting through their force fields and other times it can be more of a like a different approach you know but i thought that that was interesting and and so you're saying i think that it seems like you're able to maybe circumnavigate your means of communication more effectively? Is that- yeah, I think a lot
2: of it is I'm not as worried about what I'm saying coming across in a wrong way. I think I've found more effective ways of being able to communicate certain things without worrying about, like, okay, are they going to take this the wrong way? Are they going to, you know, interpret it in a different way than I'm intending to? So- yeah, it's
0: like telling my uh, the, the person uh, the other day about, I was like, you know, your business partner is really your gimp. <laughs> yeah yeah and, exactly. And you, you know, you, that's what you're doing. So you might as well just call them your gimp and just say yo gimp because that's what you do. <laughs> and no need to, no need to like you know, dance Either around it, yeah, and just, yeah. just be really direct. but, but I think that really uh, caught her off guard, which, which was well, actually the point. but it was also the point was to be very very direct. and it's not like I went into the conversation uh, thinking of pulp fiction. It just kind of yeah. came up. you've been playing that out all day. <laughs> You yeah. not have that joke
2: planned all day? I didn't have a joke <laughs> planned
0: all day. It just came up because that's the thing about conversation and communication is that just like in a float, right? We're not in control of where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we shape and we influence, right? But like the thing about communication is that it's like a two-way or multiple-way thing depending on the people. and And increasingly, I find that, especially as I've progressed in my own personal development, which floating is a big part of, there just seems to be a kind of creativity in terms of how to communicate with people. I just suddenly see like images of things, and some people like you know yourselves might be less visual, maybe more musical, maybe more. I don't, I don't know why people are different, but but that definitely helps. Like floating helps me unlock like more of that. So it's really becomes more of an expression instead of a worry, instead of. Uh, and, and what I get that you're saying is that it's not so much that you're just saying like like whatever I'm just gonna like express myself yeah I'm not saying what they want to hear but you're also you're also not worrying you're like just in this place of like you know what this just is what's coming through and I'm just gonna communicate it yeah and I
2: never really thought about that until you just pointed that out but I'll notice that in certain social situations I'll say things and then I'll walk away not, not really surprised that I said it but I'm just like wow I didn't really I just came out I didn't think about it it mm-hmm. kind of just flowed at it's own pace and you know that's that's a cool feeling. I never really thought of that until you pointed that out. But that's interesting. I think floating has definitely contributed to that.
1: That's it's a very strong feeling after a float too. Like it, especially if you're in a situation with somebody you trust. Like I would come out and you know we have tea and talk about what happened in the float and stuff, and it it makes it seem more natural. Like it doesn't. There's no um, outside. Uh, influence on it from any other part of your brain it just kind of like if you ask me a question how did it go or what did you what did you focus on it just comes out and it's like a very that in itself is very calming too because there's no pressure
0: at all talk so, a little bit more about that like in terms of like do you find that valuable do you think that's an important part of the experience yes yeah.
1: and, and you um you know normally i might say that that makes you feel vulnerable but in the in the right setting that's a good thing to have, like you want to actually just say it, you know, you don't have to think, is this weird, is this, um, something that no one else knows that's going on or something, you know, it just kind of happens, um, I don't know, I can't think of a good example, but it's just nice to take a break from, you know, maybe like a, an interaction at work might be completely different, like if you're having coffee or something and talking to someone at work, it's going to be totally different than when you're just floated, you know? Yeah. Um, you know there's so many, so many other things that you're thinking about at that time um, but I think even though, even though it happens just after a float I think it kind of carries on and sticks with yeah. you a little bit because you realize how nice it could be you know to be like that the
0: what you're saying also brings up this point of how when we express ourselves and communicate about something all of a sudden that thing becomes real it goes from being just something that we're thinking about to having it affirmed by somebody else and all of a sudden there's this, there's this anchoring of the experience that takes place and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I, I didn't realize that. Or talking about like an idea that came up and then all of a sudden that idea becomes real because this other person is like seeing it because it's been brought out and then sometimes the other person can also say, oh, that's interesting, and, and there's this other way of looking at that idea too, and all of a sudden there's this kind of like, whoa, like looking at it in a completely different mm-hmm. way. Just like, you know, as we're talking about these ideas, including for myself, it's like sometimes when I say something to another person, the act of saying it to another person, in in the moment, as I'm saying it, I'm all of a sudden looking at it in like many different ways. Mm-hmm. And it, And there's been a... Topic that has been discussed in this class that I teach called Program Theory and Application. It's out of John Lilly's work, and it's this 10-week webinar class that I do. And we, I finished the, this 10-week course last week, and one of the topics we were talking about was this idea of, of quantum theory and, and the experiment where they, they shot the, the electrons and they saw particle... Formations, and then they observed the electrons after they shot them out with with a mechanical device. But there was a way that they were able to observe what was happening with the electrons before they actually passed through the slits mm-hmm. and, and 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 hit the other the wall. And you guys, you, I may be telling you something you already know, but the act of observing the electron made it change from being particle to being wave like. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really interesting because what I find when I experience and even both in the floating stuff that I do in the classes we do, is that the act of actually communicating almost turns our thoughts from being very concrete to being more wave-like. So like mm-hmm. even the act of like sharing an idea with another person makes it be like turns it from like a bead or a marble. Into this wave like pattern, which all of a sudden allows us to kind of circumnavigate those ideas. Yeah, that's yeah. There's
1: there's only gonna be one outcome if you're you're thinking a thought to yourself. It's gonna be whatever you think of it. But once it goes out into the air, it's very malleable because if I say it to you, then you could put your spin on it and then even say it back to me in a different way. And then I could say it to one of my friends or something, and it just keeps changing from there. It's very easy to get caught in your own thoughts and just keep recycling the same one over and over again yeah and then and, and on that note
0: and i think i know like i think we have sp- spoken a little bit about this but it's like identifying also patterns in the minds that maybe don't serve us so well so it's like all of a sudden it's like huh i think this way about this person or about this situation so the act of actually like allowing that to express through, especially after a float, because we're even more malleable after a float session. The idea of, like, letting that out to check to see if it's actually real all of a sudden also turns maybe a, maybe a less than advantageous thought pattern from being, like, the marble to being wave-like, because all of a sudden the, then that can change. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys... Ha- have, have you noticed that as well?
1: Um, it's kind of tough to think of it on the spot, but I'm sure there's something, like... Um I mean, I've only had, again, I've only had, you know, a handful of sessions, so I'm I'm sure the more I talk about them, the more they would start to come up, you know? What are you talking about? Are talking about thoughts
2: changing as a result of a float? Like a negative thought pattern or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the best example I could think of, and this was actually one of the reasons why I really noticed... The effectiveness of my first float was I have this person who I'm not going to name who was used to be a part of my life. It was like a friend of mine, and he stressed me out a lot. He was like, Neil used to always say it was like one of those contagious people that I shouldn't keep having in my life, but I kind of just uh, continued communicating with him just through like feeling bad and stuff like that. And usually the thought of him or just anything involving him would always get me really angry or stressed out. So I noticed that after the float, he called me, and I was instantly like I didn't even care. I was just like so relaxed and okay with everything. And that was like a really eye-opening thing because it was just like here's like a big source of negativity and then after kind of putting it a little bit more into perspective after like this first float it's amazing how the mind can just completely be altered by something like
0: that you know yeah well that that piece right there relates to how we perceive people and the thing is is that like nobody can make us do anything unless they have a gun to our head everything we do is because we want to do it and that's true also for who we have in our lives and how we communicate with them. But it starts with how we're even perceiving them. Because to go back to like what you were saying about saying things to people, sometimes even if you're just saying something to somebody and they're not saying anything, most of our communication is nonverbal. Most of our communication with people is like at the level of feelings and emotions and beliefs. And there's so much going on among and between people, even through like a text message, it's not just about the words. There, there there are other things being transmitted through a text message. And so what happens when we float is we're in a slower brainwave state and we can perceive things in a different way. Sometimes it's hard to mark it to, to actually mark like what that is, but but we actually do start to loosen our minds so that we can we can actually look at a person maybe from a slightly different angle than we ever had before and that's pretty beneficial you know when it comes to interpersonal relationships both in our personal lives and in our professional work lives and you know everything in between
2: well it's amazing too when you talk about how most of the communication we do is nonverbal and stuff like that because there's this documentary called I am you ever seen that it's on Netflix I haven't seen it but they have this experiment with this this heart doctor, and I don't know exactly how the experiment works, but they do this thing where they, they show you how just your thoughts, just specifically your thoughts can influence another living matter. And they take yogurt and they plug these electrodes to this yogurt and then it's attached to some sort of mechanical device and you see this little lever and they tell the guy, like, all right, think of something that produces stress for you and he's, and he's, a, he's a film director so he thinks about his agent and instantly you see the waves just increase being affecting the yogurt I don't know exactly like I said I don't know exactly how it works but just because of him thinking about something like that you just see how much it affects another living system and that's pretty that's pretty interesting and then they show it with the opposite; like he thinks of something that makes him
1: happier love and it's you know the opposite effect and you know that's I've that's seen great. that too with um they take people and they put them in front of a heart rate monitor. And they say, okay, now I want you to slow your heart rate down. And they just concentrate a lot on slowing it down. And for whatever reason, they could see it actually going 10 beats per minute slower, you know,
0: or however many beats slower. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So now, when it comes to uh, personal relationships, like, uh, you know, I met your girlfriend. How do you think that coming here enhances your, your relationship?
2: Uh, I think for me personally, uh, it's just helped my communication skills more and stuff like that. If something's bothering me, try to just, you know, bring it up and, well, you know, like I was saying with the floats, think about certain things and put them into perspective and see if it's really even something that should be made into as big of a deal as it is and realizing that uh, certain people, you know, it's like you were saying, everybody acts the way they act and that's who they are and it's being able to accept that and be able to compromise with that is what makes a healthy relationship and stuff like that. So for me, it's more just... Me being able to communicate my own needs, I guess, and stuff like that, in a more effective way, and better problem solving skills and stuff like that. You know, like any challenges that like any t- you know typical couple would encounter, just stuff like that. Being able to deal with it in a more calm fashion and just find,
0: you know, quicker solutions and stuff like that. Well, what's cool too is that you you brought her here, and she she also finds it really helpful, which is yeah really wonderful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was really exciting after her first float. She loved it. She was like right after float, she was
0: like, Yeah, I gotta get a membership <laughs> Which is cool because then you also have the shared experience, like you're you are sharing even though you're not in the float tanks together, the that shared experience becomes another place where you can try to navigate the co-created reality that you have together, yeah. and, and that's that's really big because I was actually explaining to someone last night how in a relationship like people have to be co like actively co-creating a reality together. Otherwise, they 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 start to separate, and that happens in professional settings too. That there has to be this proactiveness of like actually saying no. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna. Continue to, to, to progress and, and, and do this and navigate this together so that we don't lose sight of each other because it can be easy to do so. Yeah, I remember the, the
2: first time we came here, we did a float together and then we went to the tavern and had like a few glasses of wine, and that was that was an awesome night. You know, that was and a the really chicken cool sandwich. Of and and then, yeah, the chicken sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I've had that, by the way. Time. <laughs> yeah, I remember
0: <laughs> you guys told me, people listening, I. You should go to the Tavern yeah, I on Main, across, across the street from Eiffel, and the Tavern on Main. There are these really good sandwiches called the chicken sandwich. And if you go, you can tell them I sent you there, and they will roll their eyes because yeah, there's no they- discount. They'll just roll their eyes. <laughs> they'll laugh and they'll say, "Of course, David sent you to get the chicken sandwich." There's like thirty other things on the menu, but that's what I get every time. I had a
2: salad last time that was really good too. It was like a quinoa and arugula salad with uh, scallops. It sounds weird,
0: but it was good. But I think it was a special. So try that after the chicken sandwich. <laughs> but yeah, and, and to, have, to have that shared experience is, is really fantastic because for yourself and for her, to be doing things where you're able to get into a non-stressed state is huge. And, and people really sometimes don't really understand the extent to which they're, they're tense and they're stressed. And for someone like myself, I float quite a bit. And I am professional or proactive or both in terms of my stress reduction because that's what I do for a living is helping people to do that as well as like navigate things differently. And so for myself even, I go in there and I come out, and I don't realize it until I've come out. I don't usually see it until I'm in the shower and I see the difference. I say, okay, here I am, post-floated, and I can see myself going into the float chamber and i yeah. see a difference Totally and right. it's it's wonderful i think a
2: lot of that has to do with the amount of built-up stress you have in the floats floats too because i think part of the reason why my first float was so amazing and they've all been amazing but the first float, particularly it was i think because it was my first float it was all these years of all this tension and built up things and then just like releasing so much of that in one hour session was really amazing you know the the like The rest of that day, I just felt incredible. Like I felt so relaxed for the rest
1: of the day. Like it was insane, you know. I think it's funny how my pre float self um, is actually part of the whole floating experience afterwards. Like I can look back and I notice that my mind was just kind of just focused on the float the whole time. So I already put myself into that mindset. It's kind of interesting that way. It's almost like your whole day. Like if you float at noon or something. Um, your whole day leading up to that point is all just about the float. It's kind of interesting. I don't know if that goes away after a while, after you start to get more accustomed to it, but I, I mean, I can't see myself not being
0: as excited about it. I don't think it so. On. You know, it, it, in some ways it really doesn't because it is in some ways a very profound thing, and, and I've, I've done it so much. But this morning I was up really early. I did, did my class at the, at the gym and I'm driving back, and, and it's on my mind. The floating's on my mm-hmm. mind. I say, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to float first, and then go home and, and walk the dogs, and this and that? And I'm just kind of navigating, and should I eat? And, and then again, it's always like a conversation, like, should yep. I do this first? Yeah, like, that is a big part of
1: it, the eating, too, that you're wondering, should I have, should I have a big meal before it, or... You know, go light and try to focus on just uh, the mental part of it. And, like, it, it's very interesting how it affects your whole day. Yep. Or, or well, last time I worked out before I floated, and that kind of changed things for me. I was, like, wondering if I should do that again or go in just normally. So next time, that'll surely be on my mind.
2: That was cool, yeah. We went to uh, the gym beforehand, and then we had a light lunch at Whole Foods and then did a float. And it was it that was a
0: pretty cool feeling. It's definitely um, different. John Lilly used to suggest that that people exercise before floating, and it's definitely nowhere near a requirement, but I think he oh, found said, that <laughs> he could exercise, and then when he went in to float, the body would release a lot more easily, and so people would like sink into the experience more quickly. It was weird,
2: because that, I definitely noticed that with the body, but mentally it was harder... My mind was just going some pretty weird places that it normally doesn't yeah. do during a float. And that could just be, it was just one of those floats. But uh, I, we were, me and him were talking about this because I did a float with music a couple weeks ago for the first time. And I was saying it'd be interesting to do a workout and then just try one of the floats with just the music and see what that was like. Because I noticed as far as like the mental state during a music float was kind of different because I was much more in tune with the music and stuff like that but there were definitely moments that were incredible with the music there were parts where like certain sections of songs would just like send chills across my body and stuff like that like I love that that was a really
1: cool feeling and I'd be interested to see what that would feel like after a nice workout you know yeah the music kind of takes place of a lot of your thoughts like for me because again after the workout my mind was kind of racing um so I think if I had music I could just kind of sink into that or, you know, cause when you're left with silence, sometimes your mind just keeps going and going. But, um, especially if you're revved up after your you know, your heart rate was up for an hour or so and working out and everything. So it takes a while to come down a little bit, but either way, I like
0: to like doing that. And I'm curious when you said before about the, your mind went to some weird places. What, what was one of those places that was weird for you? Um,
2: not weird, is in the sense that like I was thinking anything bad. It was just like very random and scattered things that I wouldn't typically think about in a flow. Usually, like for me, a typical float has a very specific kind of um, routine. Like I'll start to I get in there and I just kind of get situated and stuff, and then once I get going, maybe for like ten or twenty minutes, I'll just think about like what's going on in my life, and then usually the midpoint is kind of where I start to. Feel those emotions, and either feel the happiness or the stress or the sadness or whatever pertains to what's going on in my life at that time. And then usually the la- the pa- the uh, last twenty minutes is kind of all right. Everything's fine. Like I came to terms with, it, I made sense of it all. Like like I said earlier, there's like at the end of the tunnel and stuff like that. And this flow was more just laying there and just kind of like thinking about different parts of the day that really were like really insignificant and didn't really like really nothing that pertained to my mental state at that time at all. Just very random, like I'm trying
1: to think of an example. Like, like, know, like, like my mind all the time. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. No, like
2: like when we were at the gym, I bumped into this guitar player that I used to play with in a bar bin sometimes and just I thought about him and I started thinking about his band I started thinking about his brother and just like all these things that tie into him that really have like not that it was wrong of me to think of it but it had nothing to do with my life at all you know what I mean just very random things that are not very significant in my lifestyle
0: you know one of the interesting things though that comes up in in part part of what I try to do is is to see significance in the insignificant things Mm -hmm. Partly because I've had a lot of training and analyzing dreams and worked with people. And sometimes, like, I'll think some aspect of a dream is insignificant. And the person who's like helping me look at it will be like, oh, but like, what is this over here? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they'll be like, hmm. And just one thing to consider, and John Lilly talked about this a lot which is that when we go into the float tank, we're removing ourselves or unplugging ourselves from the different coalitions that we're a member of. Say the coalitions of, of being a musician and, and, the, and those musicians that we're part of and our family coalitions, like the, the, the people in our lives and our families and our professional circles. We're, we're basically members of all different types of like coalitions or circles of people. And when we go into the float tank, we actually remove ourselves from those coalitions because like external reality gets attenuated but what happens interestingly is then there's energy freed up for people to consider how it is they are in relation to their coalitions for example like it's interesting that you were thinking about like his his band him his band and his brother because it's just a really good example and and again it may be insignificant but it also could point at something I don't know what that might be but it's just that actually happens a lot more than people realize that they're actually really looking at all the ways in which they're relating to like different people in their life. And sometimes it's happening like in an instant. Yeah. But it could be that the exercising just kind of like revved other things up or didn't. But that may have been like a really good thing because if one were to like really slow down and if you were to look at a series of those thoughts that you had about those things and it's not even necessary to do so but you might actually have seen some sort of a pattern that it may have been about you kind of thinking about how it is you relate to musicians, for example, mm-hmm. and, and, and what they represent. Who knows? Well, yeah.
2: now, I'm just realizing this now. It's funny. I didn't even think about this. But the guy that we bumped into the gym was actually the first, my first guitar teacher ever, but only on the guitar for like a couple months. You know what I mean? So like I, that is kind of a significant thing in my life, I guess. But I, I mean, I'm definitely a firm believer, though, in the fact that every action that you do or someone does to you affects your life and some like has more of an impact than we think it does even if it's very mundane I think that you know every action that happens to us shapes who we are today so like if something didn't if one little thing didn't happen you're not who you are today in some little regard you know I think everything has some sort of effect on you yeah I
0: mean it's interesting I mean that's true and, and somebody listening to this might be like oh these guys are so analytical and this guy's so analytical and it's like not really it's more just like softening the mind to to consider the ways in which things are affecting us and how we're affecting things and, and not in this like very very intellectual kind of analytical sense as much as like really like even at an emotional level, you know, one's first guitar teacher, that there's that's a very strong bond. There's a lot of emotion there. It's it's it is a pillar in the foundation of a musician. That relationship yeah. is, is really like a, an important relationship and and then all sorts of things stem from it, so it can it can stir all sorts of things, uh, which is wonderful. But it's it's just kind of like staying open to it is all you
1: know. It seems like it could make that thought go away if you think about it in terms like the the guitar teacher. You could say, "Why am I thinking of this person?" And then you realize, like, well, it's a huge part of my life. And then once you figure out why you're thinking of it, it might just totally go away because your brain might be trying to tell you something. Like, so that could be a, um, just something that you notice, but you, you kind of it feels like you don't notice it because you do it so often. It's just out of habit. But well, you could you, know. th- you could think of why this person is such a significant part of
2: your life, and then in the act of thinking about that, it. It brings you to some other place, thinking about some other thing that might seem unrelated in that sense. But it, like I was saying, it all just ties together through different courses of action and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, you know? and and all of those are like all of that is true at the same time. Yeah, and, it's crazy. And, and yeah, it's all it's all ha- it's all true at the same time, and it's just like looking at the different sides of everything, and and by looking at the different sides of it, then we see more closely what it is. And the other way of looking at it is like, like to reflect on like how am I. A guitar teacher, and and why is this person coming up for me? Am I am I embodying what that person was to me, or am I not? And am I embodying the parts that work well, or the parts that don't work well? Yeah. I remember once, the mentor of mine who actually taught me a lot about dream analysis out in California, and I had written him a letter. I think back when we used to write letters. This was a long time ago, <laughs> and I, I think it was a letter, and I was saying how I had had a dream about him and his response to my letter was, you know, which me was in the dream? Was it this me or this me or this me or this me? Was it the the psychotherapist, the union analyst, the, the, the shamanic practitioner, the gay rights activist? He's like, which one was it? And, it's a typical and, response you get it's yeah it's typical a and, and it's also a very accurate response because then I have to sink into it a little bit deeper and say you know I think it was this part of you which is really just representing a part of me yeah I was going to say which part of you was seeing that part of him yeah. it gets kind of convoluted but it gets convoluted but and then it doesn't because it starts to get clarified yeah. and, it, and that goes back to this idea of softening the mind and not saying that it has to be this or this as much as Carl Jung used to say that it's really good to turn dreams over and different ways like mm-hmm. turn it this way turn it's like like how you need bread you, you need it this way and you need it that way and that makes the bread better but it's that's really what i encourage people to do like with their floats and i think like yeah talking about coming out of your first float and saying okay i was really supposed to do this and part of my job is to say well actually not so much and and i would explain that differently to each person going back to the communication it's like you know what is this what, what, what will help this person see it but the more I can unload the, those rules on somebody, if I can kind of help them let go of the rules and just allow themselves to explore and reflect and then, then use that in their lives somehow, uh, the more beneficial people's experiences are, are here, I think.
1: It must be so interesting for you to be in contact with so many people who have floated. Because that must affect your floats somehow, right? Yeah, I'm you must dying learn to make more people that flow. I yeah. didn't know like two.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to come to our come to our events and stuff or yeah. something like that. But the yeah, and that's that's a really good point because there was a woman at talking to me earlier today who was saying that I'm just checking that she she had read one of the articles in the Mental Arts newsletter that we put out with other float centers and she was talking about how a lot a lot of float centers don't last beyond like the three or five year mark and she said why is that and i said part of it is burnout because there's a lot of transference that happens in a float center so if i'm sitting here in a float center and i'm facilitating like 16 people in a day or more or whatever i'm around all these people then that's being transmitted to me and part of my job is to communicate with people so that like disadvantageous things that people are transmitted get unloaded not only in them, but also in me. Because mm-hmm. if it's going on for them in the moment, that means it's going into my mind as well. Right. And one of the classic examples would be like people walking in and talking about like claustrophobia or I'm afraid or this and that. And if they're saying that to me or transmitting it to me, then they're transmitting it into my mind. And part of my job is to say, well, actually, you know, and, and help them look at it in different ways so it they, it unloads in their mind and it unloads in my mind mm-hmm. and it unloads in the in, in the space between us. Mm-hmm. And so it is important to to just be able to communicate with people in that way because it makes sure that my mind stays pretty clear. But every interaction I have with somebody I walk away from in a different person. And and that's a wonderful thing. So I've talked about the kind of the parts to be aware of, but the other piece is that each person that I speak with even this conversation right here like I'm not the same person that I was when I walked into it mm-hmm. and that's an amazing gift and I'm really thankful for it you seem like a changed man <laughs> yeah well every time I hang out with you guys I think it's the coconut water maybe yeah that's where we oh, brought it in Neil's hat you know. we, we spiked it Yeah, <laughs> and and, 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 in it. And Mike's socks it's the yeah. socks the hat and the coconut yeah, water. yeah too bad this isn't a video podcast to get the full effect yeah, uh, Mike was saying how I always comment on his cool socks and it's a little stressful coming here because I, I'm always, he, he has to he has to represent like cool socks when he comes. Dude. That's why I do the float. <laughs> That's, he actually comes to show off his cool socks. Yeah, and then float to get rid of the stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, do you guys have anything else that you'd like to share to anybody about anything before um, we close out? I mean,
2: if you're listening to this and you've never floated, which I'm sure you have, but if you haven't, definitely try it because it's an awesome experience and I think you uh, you to find some really beneficial, uh, it would be
1: very beneficial to your life, as it has been to ours. Yeah, there there's definitely seems like people have a lot of reasons to not do it and, you know, when I tell people about it, they kind of give me, you know, raise an eyebrow, but I mean, if I'll do it, I mean, I'm I'm not into, you know very adventurous stuff, but I should be an example. Guy. Yeah, I mean, listen, listen to me. Yeah, we we'll gonna. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, once I did it, I mean, it didn't really take me long from when I first heard about it. It was just such a strong pull towards it that I just went for it, and it was, uh, I thought it was a good decision. Yeah, just try a flow, and then go over to the tavern, have a beer,
2: and a chicken sandwich, and <laughs> Yeah, have a nice night ahead of you. You'll be a new person. <laughs> yeah.
0: 2.0, version 2.0. All right, everybody, well, thank you for listening to this podcast before we go please go to the itunes site for ifloat radio and write a review for our podcast to help people learn about ifloat radio each podcast gives people a different perspective on floating which is wonderful and you can subscribe to that and we'll see you at the next podcast take care TV
2: production okay.